0: guys. I'm Maddie. And I'm Megan. And we're Mads Mads and Megs. man buddy I think we should have made some coffee before we started this yeah <laughs> and, like, I sat down and now I'm tired <laughs> all that food hit me yeah all right so it's been a hot minute since we've been here just a tad just a tad it's been what like a month and a half yeah <laughs> we were like we're gonna start a podcast yeah. and then everybody I've told about it, it's like when's your new episode coming out I'm like next weekend I think <laughs> Man, life happens. Man. It really did. It kind of just kicked us both in the ass at the it same really time. Did. Plus, the weather hasn't been the best. Yeah, so Montana, that's, that's Montana for you. Speaking of Montana, I'm going to cover a Montana serial killer. Oh. Yeah. That sounds just, fun. So, it's I'm going to cover the Missoula mauler. Okay, okay. Montana serial killer who's never been convicted of any of his crimes. Oh. exactly (laughs) all right so um wayne nathan nance he was born on october 18th 1955 in missoula montana to george and charlene nance george was a truck driver and his mom uh charlie she goes by charlie was a waitress They lived in a mobile home outside of Missoula, and they had, and Wayne was one of four kids. Okay. Wayne grew up in a poor household, and his father, George, had a temper, and his mom was very known for drinking a lot. Oh, I have something for you. What? What you got? What you got? I have pictures. Oh, I love pictures. Yeah, so this is Nance. This is him. Why does he look familiar? When he's older. Do I know him? Oh, he he did. (laughs) Oh probably not and then this is his family and he's right here okay yep the little guy just the little guy he's so it goes his sister this one his sister him his sister his brother okay yep so in december of 1964 when wayne was um only nine years old his father george was convicted of armed robbery and assault and um he spent five years in prison yeah actually i read this book um, and it's called To Kill and Kill Again by, I can look it up really quick. But it's a really good book. I highly recommend it. But he was saying in that book by John Costin. Mm-hmm. He was saying Did in you... that book how he actually came in. Book. Did you read it? I haven't. I haven't read it yet. Oh, my gosh. This story sounds so familiar. <laughs> Damn, Damn it! We'll do it. <laughs> yep, I have that book. Right Dude, there. It's so good. Oh, you should yeah, read, I need it. To read it. You should read it when I'm done with this because okay. it's really good. Okay. Um, but I was reading in that book. I have it on my Kindle. I have paperback. Yeah, of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, can we just for for. Time out for a second and talk about how much money we just spent. Oh, yeah, we did just we just spent an hour in there. Yeah. (laughs) We almost didn't leave. I'm not even sorry. (laughs) Good lord. We found the true crime section and it was over after Oh, that. I know. <laughs> and if a guy got two books from the true crime section. Yeah. Good lord almighty. We can't, we can't go back there no, very often. Not for a while. <laughs> we'll take a little break from there. <laughs> anyway, in this book, he was describing how his dad went in, robbed the place, and the guy behind the counter, he tied him up in the back and he beat him up to the point he almost died. Oh, well that's yeah. rude. So his dad spent five years in prison. And okay. so he was gone. I mean, most of his like adolescent life. Um, but uh, despite his upbringing, Wayne was actually he actually excelled in school. He was a really good student. He was really smart. Um, he graduated from Bonner Elementary School and Sentinel High School in 1974. He had good grades. participated Participated in sports, and he was in actually in wrestling too. Okay. And I have some pictures of him in the yearbook. So there he is. There, oh look at him! Can kind of see him. Oops, oh, sorry, my bad. But yeah, just a normal looks looking. Looks like a normal dude. Looks like a <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, but according to like a lot of his teachers and his classmates, he was very much known to have a temper, mm-hmm. and he was said to be a troublemaker. Um, he would start fights with boys and he would, um, steal and break things from girls. Um, also in that book, I'm going to keep referring back to it cause Mm -hmm. it's so good. He was saying in the book that this girl, her dad owned the trailer park they were living in. And he watched her on the bus, school bus, drop her glasses underneath the seat Mm -hmm. and she couldn't get them. He grabbed them before she did, looked her straight in the face and broke her glasses and handed them back. Okay, that's just, a jerk. Move. Just because he could, right? Like, what? I would have punched him right in the nose. Um. So, <clears throat> what are the three? It's like killing animals, wetting the bed, and I think it's a head injury. Yeah. Are the three main? I I, don't, I could be wrong on that one, but the yeah. the triangle that makes up a serial killer. Mm-hmm. So red flag here. Um, they're in center. In their landlord, um, that little girl's dad, who was the of oh, the glasses? Yeah. Girl. Okay. He was the landlord of their trailer park. He had an insinuator at the trailer park for the residents. It's the 70s. I mean, yes. people yes. didn't have seatbelts. <laughs> um, he actually had an insinuator so that people could put their garbage in there. Oh. And um, there was this, like, group of stray cats. Would stay like there is they would sit up high in the insinuator. Mm-hmm. Um, and let so when they kicked on the heat would rise and they could stay warm during the winter. Yeah. I mean it's winter in Montana, we get negative forty, like it's, it's nothing here. Cold. I it's one thing I hate about here. Sorry. And then it gets <laughs> stupid hot this summer. Yeah. It's just evens out. It just uh, <laughs> God damn. Yeah. But anyway, he watched Nan he watched Wayne walk up and he's like 10, 11 years old at this point. Okay. He walks he watches him cuz he's doing yard work. Wayne can't see him but he can see Wayne and he watches as Wayne flips the handle and the kittens drop. Oh no. Down into the insinuator. Oh no. He's the poor a baby. 11 years old. Oh, my god. That's red flag. Terrible. Red flag number 1. Red goddamn flag. Mm-hmm. Um and then when he became a teenager, he became like super interested in the occult. Um, and he was very vocal about it. He'd go around telling everybody how he was a Satanist. And at one point he was, he took a clothes, like a wire clothes hanger, Mm -hmm. got it super hot and branded himself so that it was like a pentagram on his arm. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. (laughs) And then at the same time he became obsessed with knives too. Okay. So like he's super smart, but he's just got these like weird. He's just fucking weird. Yeah. 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 Like he's book smart. I don't know. He's just... You can only be one or the other. Really, you can't be both. And yep. I'm, I'm the common sense smart one, I like to think. I'm definitely not book smart. Yeah. Um, at the same time, he was becoming obsessed with knives. And um, he would bring them to school and show them off. <laughs> and at one point, he um, took a... Hy- do you know what a hypodermic needle is? I'm sure you do. Yeah. He was running... This is so creepy. He was running down the hall, stabbed a boy in the leg with a hypodermic needle... And kept running, and Ooh. they interviewed one of his class names, classmates, Bill, who later testifies against him at one point. Mm-hmm. But he said that he cackled, like, the whole way he was oh, running course away. Of he did. <laughs> Isn't that creepy? That's very creepy. Oh, my God. And he would just, like, brag about how he wanted to kill somebody before his 19th birthday. Cause he's eighteen at this point. Oh goodness! Like when somebody says, "Not a good sign." I'm gonna kill somebody. You say something to somebody. Yeah. Oh. Oh, he's just joking. Yeah. No. 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 Oh, that's just Nance. Yeah. All right. Which him. brings us to, um, now down the street in the same trailer park where the Nance family lived lived Donna and Harvey Pounds, and their three kids. Donna worked part time at a Christian bookstore, and Harvey worked at a men's shoe store. They were said to be a really great Christian family, and Harvey was actually a deacon at their local church. Mm-hmm. Wayne was friends with the pound son Kenny, so he knew like the layout of the house. And Kenny, at one point, had shown Wayne where his dad kept his guns. Oh god. Yep. Oh, well. Um. And at the time, they were selling the door, the house, and so they tend to keep the like the the, the house unlocked. Ugh. Um. On April eleventh, nineteen seventy four. 39 year old donna pounds i actually have a picture for you here's donna and harvey oh pretty oh aren't they just they look That's so cute little couple. they look so lovely yeah yeah not just for long not gonna be good <laughs> here buddy figures um donna arrives home around 1:30 p.m her oldest daughter is at work her son kenny is off in the military he's uh, i think like a year or two older than nance was and the youngest is at school and their husband was at work and so she's home alone Mm-hmm. She walks her way back into her bedroom, and she's cornered um, by somebody who is wearing um, latex gloves and holding her husband's semi-automatic pistol. Uh Uh-oh. Yep. He fires, she goes to, like, um, argue with him, like, please don't hurt me, but he just fires one round as a a warning shot. He, He attacks her, ties her hands and feet to the bedpost, and rapes her. Oh, he then takes her to the basement and ties her up, and forces her on her knees, and shoots her five times in the back of the head. Oh God! Yeah. Overkill. <clears throat> Here's the worst part. Okay. He leaves the pistol in her vagina. Oh. What a piece of shit. What a sicko. What an absolute piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Now later, when Harvey got home, her husband, he noticed that his wife wasn't there, and he noticed there was clothesline in the bedroom and he was like what the fuck like Mm -hmm. what is going on here yeah he then notices that the gun holster is out from its spot that he keeps it Mm -hmm. and that the gun is missing he asked their youngest daughter who was home at the time with one of the neighbors to go over to her neighbor's house um and he went down to the basement and that's when he found donna and he decided to call the police But decided I yeah my bad immediately my bad (laughs) that was bad wording on my part he decided well I think I'm gonna contemplate this (laughs) well maybe I should (laughs) my wife's dead with a pistol (laughs) in her vagina should we Uh, yes (laughs) yes Yes. (laughs) that's the right answer oh my god that was terrible (laughs) Um, for the longest time Harvey was actually the primary suspect Um, the gun was his and. He was said to be having an affair with one of the women from their congregation. So, they kind of were suspecting him for the longest time, but they didn't have enough as evidence to prosecute him. Yeah. Oh, There was an eyewitness that said that they saw a man that looked a lot like Wayne walking in the Pounds' backyard, and he was carrying a black gym bag. so Um, and it's, it's Missoula. Missoula's not that big. We've both been there. Yep. Um, news of the murder spread like wildfire. And Wayne went to school and showed his friend, his friend Bill, the pentagram. So he had a pentagram on, like, his upper arm. And now all of a sudden he has a pentagram on his forearm. And he looked at Bill and he said, it's done. Yeah, very ominous, huh? Mm -hmm. And Bill suspected that Wayne was the one who did kill Donna Pounds. Um, Bill was too scared to say anything to the police um, for fear that he may be Wayne's next victim. But he did tell his high school principal, who told Bill that there wasn't much he could do if Bill wouldn't talk to the police. Yeah. Dude, I just tell the police. Man. Yeah! The police can just take him off the street and you would be done. Yeah. Oh, it gets so much, like, it, they get so close to getting him a few times. <laughs> Don't yeah, they always? It's crazy to me. I just, yeah. What? And then with Nane only being, Wayne only being um, 18 years old, the mm-hmm. principal was scared that a murder accusation could ruin his reputation if it wasn't true. Oh, who gives a shit? Yeah. Um, with the eyewitness account and other people saying they saw someone who matched Wayne's description, the police obtained a search warrant for the Na- Nance residence. When they searched Wayne's room, they found a bloody glove, a black gym bag, and shell casings that mar- matched Harvey's gun. Okay, so easy, peasy, low, squeezy. Ding, ding, closed. ding. You would think. No. After talking with the, the school police, I'm with the school principal. <laughs> <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> That's what I put in my notes. After I know t- what you mean. <laughs> yeah, after this, it might as well be the police. After talking with the school principal, they also learned that Wayne was not in school that day for Donna's murder. So they brought him in for questioning to ask him where he was that day. When they asked Wance, Wance, Wance. Oh, yes. When they asked Nance, Wayne, why he was out of school that day, he said he was working on a tomahawk for a school project. Right. That was completed the semester before. Oh, <laughs> that's, okay. Right? It Makes so much sense. The police did ask him to take a polygraph test, in which he did agree, but they didn't know that Wayne had actually studied how to pass a polygraph uh- test. Yup, oh. and guess what? He passed. He sure as fuck did. Um, but despite the bloody glove, the shell casings, and the gym bag, they didn't have enough concrete evidence to really? convict him. It's 1974. They that's can't. Stupid. They stupid can't stupid test bad. DNA at this point. Well, you know. Well, still, you think that's pretty significant like evidence, nonetheless. Right. And now Donna's murder goes cold. Of course it does. It's fine Poor bullshit. Poor Donna. Poor Donna. So now we. I, why do I keep calling oh, him no, Wayne? <laughs> Wayne. That's an easier name. <laughs> Wayne. 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 <laughs> <laughs> now, Wayne. Nance. Good lord. Uh, he's, he's 18 years old and he joins the Navy. He was doing great and was studying to become an electrician while in the Navy. And was reported as being an excellent student and a warm member of the Naval train. Quote, unquote. <laughs> believe that. I'm not at all. Um... But all that was about to change when, in June of 1976, Wayne received a subpoena to appear before a grand jury in Missoula. He and one other person were being indicted as suspects for Donna Pound's case and two other murder cases. (laughs) Eleven grand jurors were selected, and over 100 eyewitnesses were called to testify, including Wayne's old friend Bill and other students and teachers from his high school. Wayne was said to be cold and detached and had no reaction when shown pictures of photos of Donna's corpse. He remained cool, calm, and collected even after they contradicted his alibi on the day of the murder, which was a project he said he was working on from a completely different semester. (laughs) He had testified on the stand for seven hours. Wow. Yeah. But after a month of deliberation, the grand jury decided not to indict anyone on any of the murders. Why? Yeah. Yeah. They just, they, uh, apparently... Not enough evidence. So I was li- listening to a podcast, and mm-hmm. I'll go through my sources at the end, but one of the podcasts was saying how, like, on a green jury, it's only, like, eight out of the eleven have to be, like, yes. And they just didn't get the full eight they people that... Get, yeah. Oh, that's shitty. Yep. But when Wayne went back to San Diego to serve on the USS Robinson, um, when he got back there... His whole demeanor changed. He was said to be acting erratic, and he was caught with marijuana, LSD, illegal butterfly knives, Jesus Christ, wow. and a pair of stolen naval binoculars. After several fines and two reductions in rank, 22-year-old Wayne was discharged for the Army for misconduct. Well, that's a long time coming. Yeah. It, it's just sad. Like, he was doing good, and then he just fucked it all up. Well... Which is what he's gonna do. When you do. kill somebody before that, you know, you don't really have much of a chance at a good life, so move on. No shit. <laughs> it was actually predicted that he may have been killing, committing murders while in the Navy, no, but. I can tell you right now, he probably did. There was no proof. Of course there's no. No. And from the research I gathered, he. I didn't see anything saying anything, like any other victims matched his MO or anything like that. He could have been experimenting. Oh, for sure. Um, Wayne then went back home to Missoula and his father was telling everyone that he made the decision to leave the Navy, um, and never told anyone what really happened. While home in Missoula, the Missoulian newspaper printed an article about unsolved cases in the area and rumors started to spread and be said about Wayne's involvement in Donna Pound's case again. So like people would know just bring it back up He's just again had, and again. He, he had, had like gets away with it. Yeah, he had way too much involvement. Yeah, obviously. way too much. Yeah. Um, with all of the rumors going around, Wayne decided to relocate and start new. So he headed west to Seattle. My little note here says he said "fuck this" and bounced. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> all right. So shortly after moving to Washington, a fifteen-year-old girl named Devonna Nelson number one. I don't know why, but I really like that name, Devonna. And not pretty? <laughs> well, not really. How about now? <laughs> we took a turn. <sighs> okay, All <right>. so sorry. <sighs> Devonna Nelson is reported missing. It is su- suspected that she's a runaway and was hitchhiking. Um, his time in Washington was brief. He moved to Washington in the spring of 1978 and back to Missoula and with his parents in the fall of 1978. So he was only in Washington for like... Four months? Five months? That's very brief. And all the while, the authorities were looking for Devana Nelson. Like, she was reported as a missing runaway. They had no idea where she was. Poor girl. Yeah, and she's only 15, too. Yeah. Like, it's so sad. It's heartbreaking. Oh, she's just a baby. Yeah. But in January of 1980, over a year after Wayne was in Washington, Devonna Nelson's remains were found by construction workers in a ditch 400 miles east of Seattle on a road that led straight to Missoula. (laughs) Weird. Wow. But at the time, they couldn't identify the body, and the remains were referred to as Betty Beavertail because her body was discovered near the Beavertail State Park. They had too many Jane Does, so they would just call them different names. We're going to have a couple different names involved here. Okay. Um, Montana authorities were confused because no girl matching the description of the remains reported were, rep- was, were reported, and in Washington was unaware of the remains that had been found outside of Missoula, so the case went cold. Yeah. Yeah, and at the time, like I said, there's no way to test DNA back then. Mm-hmm. Her body would not be identified until February of 1985. Oh, my goodness. Yep. Devonna was a runaway, and it was believed that Wayne picked her up around Seattle, headed back toward Missoula. He sexually assaulted her stabbed her and then dumped her body in a ditch 400 miles east of washington like i said on a road headed right towards missoula he was never charged with the crime and it's believed that devonna was one of his victims that's sad so wayne moved back in with his parents into their trailer home and at this point he's 23. okay his reputation in missoula was not good and things at home with his parents were not good either his dad was away on the road a lot, and his mother's drinking had gotten much worse. Well, I wonder. why. Oh, back up! I want to show you a picture. you me, see, let me see. back to Davanna. Oh, she's so small. Isn't she just a baby? Yeah. Yeah, she's oh, not very sad. old. Like I don't that that I don't know. To me, that photo is very haunting. It is. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah, she's just a baby. Yeah. Yep. Poor thing. I know. I just ugh. So like I said, his dad was all, uh, his dad's out of prison at this point, and he's out on the road a lot, and his mom's drinking gets much worse. In April of 1980, Charlene had just finished her shift at a bar called the Cabin when she was confronted by George about her drinking. The argument escalated into the parking lot where Charlene got in her car and drove down to Deer Creek Road in East Missoula. At a bend in the road, Charlene's car was found crashed into a tree. Woo. Her death was actually ruled a suicide because it's believed that she drove off the road on purpose. She was by herself or her son was still with her? No, she was by herself. <sighs> yeah. Huh. In 1984, um, Wayne was working as a bouncer at the Cabin Bar where he met Robin. 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 She, yeah, she was said to have been dropped off at a truck stop and she was from Texas Wayne took her in, and they just started. They started identifying themselves as a couple. But in the fall of 1984, Wayne said to everybody that Robin decided to head back home and was never seen again. Ugh. Oh, of course she's a go. Oh, Chandler, <laughs> did
1: you just Excuse hear this? was you
0: yeah yeah. On December 24th, so Christmas Eve, 1984, a wildlife photographer was out hiking near Deer Creek Drainage Basin uh-uh. when he came across a partially buried nude woman who was badly decomposed and had been shot three times in the head with a twenty two caliber. Oh, my. There was not a lot of evidence with her to identify who she was, so she was given the nickname Debbie Deer Creek. Debbie Deer Creek. Just the names they come up with kind well, of just... it makes sense. But. I mean, her remains were sent off to the Smithsonian um, to do a makeup of her age, body type, dental chart, and other characteristics that could help identify her. In 2004, her femur was sent to the University of East Texas, where her DNA was extracted and put into a national database. She would later actually be identified as Marcella Sherry Marcy Bachman. She went by the alias Robin when she was living in Montana. Oh, gosh. Her brother Derek spent years looking for a sister. Police collected DNA from Derek and Marcy's mother in hopes of identifying one of the identifying her as one of the victims of the Green River Killer, but there was no match. So instead, they put the DNA into the CODIS database, Mm -hmm. and eventually the DNA took a hit on two potential matches, which is weird to me. That's crazy. Two, right? Two, yeah. Um, Derek was called to collect more DNA from him and his father, and on April 6, 2006, years later, Yeah. The Jane Doe that had been they, that was being called Debbie Deer Creek was identified as Marcella Sherry, Marcy, Bachman. Robin? Yeah, Robin. Oh, my. Isn't that crazy? That's terrible. Yeah, um, and here's a little quote that I found from her brother. Mm-hmm. He said, "I knew it was her, and I didn't want it to be her. There was always that hope that she would walk in the door one day with my nieces and nephews." Isn't that sad? That's, very That's just like. So heartbreaking. Barry. So here's a picture of this is actually shared. This is actually Robin, mm-hmm. uh, Marcy, and here's her and Nance. Queen. Isn't oh, he just a sick fuck? He looks like a bastard. God damn. Ugh. Ugh. Mm. Guess how old uh, Marcy was, how Robin? Old? She's sixteen. No. Yeah. Why is it the young ones? Why are they running away? Yeah. Mike. Not running away. Goodness, it just oh makes me so sad. Mm Mm-hmm. I gotta zoom in. I'm blind. (laughs) I'm not kidding. Sometimes I really just can't see. All right. On September 11th, 1985, the skeleton of Janet L. Lucas, who was 23, was found in Missoula, Montana. With a 22 caliber bullet in her skull. With two .22 caliber bullets in her skull. Investigators believe she died between 1983 and 1985. Janice remain, remains went unidentified until May of 2021. She was initially believed to be of Asian descent. Like the other Jane Doe's found near East Missoula, Lucas was given a name before she was identified. Christy Crystal Creek? That's a mouthful. Oh, yeah. Christy, Why do you make it so rhymey? Christy Crystal Creek. Debbie your Creek. <laughs> Crystal. Crystal. Christy Crystal Creek. Christy Creek. Crick- <laughs> Can't even. We're going to hell. Yeah. Fuck. Based on examination, her injury was between 18 and 35 years old. She was between 4 feet 10 and 5 feet 2 inches tall and weighed between 90 and 110 pounds. Examination indicated that she was most likely had a history of smoking and had many fillings in her teeth as well as two root canals she also had had oral surgery that you that used characteristically asian dental techniques involving the screwing of dental of a dental post into the tooth oh that sounds painful I After genetic genealogy research was conducted after a successful DNA extraction, it was learned that Lucas originated from Spokane, Washington, having disappeared from Sandpoint, Idaho, during the summer of 1983. It is unknown when or why she came to Montana. Nance has not been definitively linked to this murder, but he was most likely the suspect. Probably. Yeah, that one's insane. I do have a picture of her, too. She's kind of pretty lovely woman yeah she looks just so sweet okay that one still haunts me i know him and him and robin just gets me every time it's creepy yeah um nancy's also said to be responsible for the december 12th 1985 murders of michael and teresa shook in Rivali county montana who were tied up inside their home and stabbed to death oh oh the killer then attempted to destroy the evidence by burning the house down (gasps) the couple's four children survived the crime thank goodness thank god Items stolen from the Shook resident were later found in Nance's home. Oh, yep. That'll do it. It'll do it. Uh, Before Wayne's death, the discovery of his crimes, and the discovery of his crimes, some of the murders were tentatively ascribed to David Mierhofer. He's a native Montanan and a military veteran. Mierhofer confessed to four murders, and then killed himself in custody in 1974. But authorities believe that he may have committed additional crimes. So there's another serial killer right there. Oh, perfect. Go Montana. Go Montana. All right. Kind of nearing the end here just a little bit. Okay. On September 3rd, 1986, Nance attempted to murder Doug and Chris Wells. Nance worked at the Wells Furniture Moving Company and engaged... Doug in friendly conversation while they were in the front yard of his home Wayne asked if he could borrow a flashlight and after Doug invited him inside Wayne struck Doug in the head before tying both uh, both him and Chris, his wife. Wayne then stabbed Doug in the chest and left him to die in the basement Wayne forced Chris into the bedroom on the second floor to rape her although badly wounded though Doug managed to free himself and load one bullet and a rifle he had been repairing. Mm. Doug staggered up the f- second floor where his wife was being assaulted in their bedroom. Wayne and Doug engaged in further altercations, ending with Doug shooting in- and incapacitating Wayne. Wayne and the Wellses were rushed to the hospital where Doug and Chris made full recoveries. <laughs> Wayne injuries proved fatal and he died the following day. Oh, thank God. Yeah, so it's so crazy. Go, Doug. Yeah, so it's so crazy because he was trying to commit another crime and he was killed. That's what you get. It was, yeah, it was, and so that's why it's so funny. I love that it's like he was never convicted of any of his crimes. Wow. Well, but it's because he was killed. One of his victims gets the last laugh. Yeah, because he was killed before he, they, he even got a chance. Yeah. Yeah, I think he would have been convicted. Oh, yeah. 100%. I but I just think it's awesome that he's killed by one of his victims in the end. Yeah, that's a cool ending. Yeah. I yeah I really really liked it so but it's yeah awesome. I like that story That's yeah a good one so um I got a lot of my sources of course I got one from this podcast it's on YouTube well, it's not a podcast the YouTube channel but it's called better off red um let's see I got one from it's called um happyscribe.com serial killers the Missoula baller um and then I got one from another podcast or a YouTube channel and she was really good. Let me look it up here for you because I watched that whole thing and she is a forensic psychologist. And she goes into like like the progression of him becoming a serial killer as a child and the signs and red flags and everything. And it was super super interesting I thought. Yeah definitely. Yeah so let me look them up here see if I can find her because hers was really good. Yeah, sounds, like, real interesting. Oh, her name is Emma Kenny. Okay. On YouTube. Yep. And then I, of course, used Wikipedia. Like an idiot. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. That's a rookie mistake. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Wikipedia had a lot. So, and then I just went back to these other ones and kind of used them, too, but... Yeah, what'd you think of that one? I liked it. Well, yeah. now I have to go home and read the book. <laughs> I You have to. I read it, and I thought it was really good. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that would be a good first one. I want to do something, like, Montana-based. Yeah. Because we're in Montana, and something kind of... I wanted to do a serial killer. <laughs> yes. But I thought that was, like, a good first one, so... Good way to kick off the series. Yep, it is. So, mm. next time's your turn, bud. Yeah. You, I don't know what I'm gonna do, but you guys will find out. You gotta bring it. <laughs> I'll bring it. Bring <laughs> it. <laughs> Alright, well, I'm Maddie. I'm Megan. And we'll see you later, guys. See you next time. Thanks for listening. Okay, bye. Bye.